0: Welcome to The Bruce Siski Show. Follow The Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to The Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL.
1: 10-12 coming up on 10-13 Friday morning on this 8th day of September 2023. Bruce Siski show on KDAL uh, coming up in about 25 minutes. The head football coach from the Saints Scholastica, Mike Heffernan, joins us. Uh, taped with him earlier this week. Saints are heading to Rockford, Illinois to take on Rockford University in their season opener tomorrow, 1 o'clock for the kickoff. We'll get a preview of the 2023 Saints football team. Uh, joining us now ahead of week one. In earnest on Sunday, the NFL season getting kicked off. Vikings and Buccaneers Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. We preview now from Purple Insider Matthew Collar. Good morning, sir.
2: What is up? Got a little sweet taste of that football last night, and you know what? I liked it, and I want some more.
1: Uh, I just full disclosure, I saw zero minutes and zero seconds of last night's game. <laughs> So we made a
2: mistake.
1: Well, so I good. did not because I was at the. Uh, I was at. Uh, we are. We have season tickets for UMD volleyball, and their home opener was last night. So it was. Uh, uh, it was. It was fun to be there and see that they got. They got a nice win. So I just yeah, by the time I got home, it was like middle of the third quarter. I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed. I'll read about it in the morning. I'll watch the recap on YouTube, and you know the Lions are at least for one more week. We can all believe in them.
2: Huh. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is that, you know, we knew that this Lions roster was pretty good. And, of course, they won the game in part, and I'm sure you saw this by now, because Kansas City could not catch the football uh, at all. Like, I've never seen a team drop so many passes ever in my life that wasn't in a monsoon. Uh, It was crazy how many plays Patrick Mahomes got robbed of in in that game by his own wide receivers, and uh, Travis Kelsey should ask for a raise when he comes back. But uh, at the same time, the Lions dominated the line of scrimmage. I mean, uh, Aiden Hutchinson it looks like a superstar. Their offensive line has got some serious feasts. I mean, I, I think that they're going to cause a lot of problems for the NFC North teams just based on their trenches alone. And I thought that Jared Goff did exactly what Jared Goff does, which is if you give him time to throw, he's going to deliver a lot of good footballs, and their offensive coordinator does a great job. I mean, I, I, I don't think that you're overreacting to a Lions win there to say you know what that team when they put them out there on the field and not just on paper there is a lot of talent there and I think that after last night you should look at them as the team that's the favorite it's a long season but they should be the favorite to win the NFC North
1: you know I did see the third and 12th throw golf made which was just ridiculous and and it, it's just a, he's been doing this throughout his career and, and he has these moments that just they remind you why he was so highly regarded
2: yeah, I mean, I, I've i felt like – now, I, there's a little bit of bias for me because in 2018 I flew out to Los Angeles to cover Vikings and Rams, and I sat there at the uh, Coliseum and watched Jared Goff throw for like 400 yards in a perfect passer rating against the Mike Zimmer defense that ended up finishing that season in the top five. I mean, I, I've seen him in person do some really good things for the Vikings, but, you know, I think that sometimes it's like um, – If a quarterback is not Patrick Mahomes, then they're just trash, or if they're not Joe Burrow, they're trash. Uh, But Jared Goff can do a lot of good things. I mean, last year was the third time in his career that he's led a top-five offense. Kirk Cousins has never led a top-five offense, not ever in his entire career. So I have a lot of respect for him, but I also know, too, that when he started to slip in Los Angeles, it was really based on the offensive line. If he's got time to throw and can step into it and throw the ball over the middle of the field, he's really good and i think that they they know that and and we saw that from some of those big time throws he made last night so yeah i i am uh even though it was they're a little bit focused in some ways because of the drop passes from Kansas City, and they lucked into a tipped interception. I'm buying a lot of the things that I saw from the Lions last night.
1: Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, our guest. Yes, it's Purple Insider, not Blue and Silver Insider. I understand that, but that was the game last night, so we had to talk about it a little bit. So I don't know if you saw on my, on my Twitter or my ex, whatever you call a stupid thing now, I actually have picked the Minnesota Vikings to win the NFC North this year. Tell me why I'm not an idiot.
2: <laughs> well, I think you're not an idiot because of the offense that they have. I mean, yes, we were just talking up the Lions, and uh, I would still pick the Lions um, to win the division. And uh, common opponents matter, by the way. So if the Vikings lose to Kansas City at some point um, in week five, then you know, that could be problematic for them uh, that, that the Lions were able to beat Kansas City. But, you know, I, when you look at what Jordan Addison did in training camp, and I was out there every single day, I was very impressed. I mean, his route-running ability, his uh, ability to make catches that you just don't see people make all that often, the, how he contorts his body, his quickness, and also how quick he seemed to pick up on the offense. I, mean, I think he can be more effective than Adam Thielen was last year, and Thielen was essentially just a possession-wide receiver for them. He averaged like 10 yards a catch. I mean, So having an extra threat there, having also a full season now of T.J. Hawkinson, you know, signs a big contract, but also he's got, you know, a whole off season to really like carve out a role and as opposed to just showing up mid season. Um, and then, you know, they've added another element to this as well, which is Josh Oliver. And I think they're going to use a little more big personnel and try to improve that running game because, you know, Delvin Cook is a star. So everyone just assumes the Vikings had a good running game. They did not. They had one of the worst running games in the NFL last year by expected points added and yards per carry. So, they, I think they can improve from where their offense was last year, and they were already in the top ten. The big concern, of course, is on the other side of the ball, and that's where I think Detroit has a better defense than the Vikings. Uh, I think the Vikings have a very hard schedule. So it's, it's not insane. Um, you know, I would, if you're asking me, like, it's only percentage points that I would lean Detroit um, because of the Vikings' offense, but I think that there's more probably more pitfalls for the Vikings than there are uh, Detroit. Like, if they're a couple injuries away – from having a, a pretty pretty awful
1: defense, I understand. As I ask this question, it's really hard to answer it necessarily. Maybe right now because we just haven't seen this offense in action yet in 2023, and and you you never know. You know, based on what you see in training camp, based on what you see in preseason games, you can't necessarily construct what a team's going to want to do offensively. I go back to listening to the play caller series on on the Athletic podcast with Jordan Rodriguez, and, and she talks about these these coaches all from this this you know McVeigh Kyle. Shanahan coaching tree which Kevin O'Connell comes off of and they've all got these diverse offenses these different philosophies but a lot of it's tailored to the personnel that they have the Vikings personnel appears to be very very heavy toward a passing offense in 2023 but you just hit it with the with the signing of Josh Oliver which was not done by accident they did that on purpose for a reason it would indicate they want to run the ball more effectively how do you see this thing playing out? You, are we going to see a concerted effort to run the ball, or do they lean on the bread and butter?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that anytime you have Kevin O'Connell as your play caller, he is going to lean into the passing game. He's a former quarterback, and it shows. <laughs> uh, but I also think that one of the reasons that they had one of the highest pass ratios last year and i think did kirk uh, did he have over 700 dropbacks i think he did last year which is just insane for his career when normally he's been more of a like you, you try to hit on big throws and run the ball and run play action so they really leaned into him last year and i thought you saw some of the efficiency go down you know his quarterback rating went down his qbr his yards per attempt and that's what happens when you have to throw all the time. But another part of it was just circumstance. I mean, when you're losing in the fourth quarter as often as they were and needed eight fourth-quarter comebacks from Kirk Cousins, you're having to throw the football a ton. And I think what they're looking to do is not necessarily just run the ball as, as a centerpiece of their offense, but they're looking to finish out games. I mean, if you get up against the, the Buccaneers, ten points in the third quarter, like run the ball, run the clock out, you know, re- retain possession, have a long drive, and just, you know, put them in their grave. Uh, That was the big problem last year, why they had all those one-score games. They couldn't put anybody away. They couldn't put Arizona away. They couldn't put Chicago away in in the first game. It's like, uh, you know, I think the run game was a big part of that, and especially the negative runs. I mean, uh, Delvin Cook had more runs of zero or negative yards last year than any other running back in the league, and so I think they're looking to just push forward you know, marry the run in the pass a little more together, get get in second and five, second and four, where you can dial up pretty much anything. I think that's kind of the role of the running game and always will be. But I do wonder about, you know, Kevin O'Connell making too many changes because it was a pretty successful offense last year. So you, you kind of want to balance that, like, how did these things work? Don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, you know, you should be getting the ball to Justin Jefferson all the time. But if teams are completely – is selling out to stop Justin Jefferson. I think now they have more weapons. So, um, you know, it it, it is one of the most potentially diverse offenses in the entire NFL, and I think it is going to be a bit of a challenge to just, like, balance all of those um, ideas into one game plan for one week, you know? But I, I think that they should be a very good offense.
1: Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. You mentioned the, the questions on defense with Brian Flores taking over. We Again, we don't know what to expect. There weren't a lot of personnel changes necessarily on this defense, except maybe eschewing a couple of veterans and getting younger. But did they get better in terms of personnel, or is it going to be all about the scheme? What do we expect to learn in week one? Yes, Tampa Bay still has Mike Evans. Yes, Tampa Bay still has Chris Godwin. But they have Baker Mayfield throwing them the football now, not Tom Brady.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I think that they are absolutely worse as a personnel group, but also will be a lot smarter from a scheme standpoint. And I think the defensive play calling is a a huge, huge deal in terms of what your defense becomes. Um, The only issue is you mentioned the wide receivers. The Vikings are going to start two corners on the outside. that have a combined 100 snaps or so of NFL coverage, and that's pretty scary. Um, Mike Evans is six foot five, and he's going to go up against five foot ten Makai Blackman. I'm sure they're going to try to scheme that uh, that you know that matchup at times for Tampa Bay. And and Baker Mayfield, I agree with you. I, I looked this up since 2021. The guy has an 81.3 quarterback rating, which would maybe be good in like 1978, but it's not good now. Uh, where almost every quarterback is 95 and above, so he's been a well below average quarterback um, really since 2020. And my expectations are not high for him, especially in U.S. Bank Stadium. The noise, the number of looks that Brian Flores is going to give. The problem is, though, if they block it up and there's any time for him to throw, it, it, Baker Mayfield was still the number one overall pick. The man can still spin a football if he's got time to do it. So, you know, that's that to me is the most interesting challenge that Brian Flores faces. I, I think it was re- really interesting in 2021. The Dolphins had 48 sacks, which was uh, sixth in the league. But nobody had double-digit sacks. So they had like a bunch of different guys get the pressures and the sacks, which I I expect to be the same deal here. But if you don't get there, ah, man, it is going to be quite a challenge for Caleb Evans and Makai Blackman against these two wide receivers.
1: On the other side of the ball, the Buccaneers still have Vita Vea, who I've always thought very highly of. They still have Devin White. They still have Avante David. How much trouble, conceivably, could those three in the middle of that Tampa Bay defense cause the interior of the Vikings' offensive line?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is we're talking about Brian Flores sending blitzes. Well, Todd Bowles is known as one of the most aggressive head coaches uh, in in the NFL uh, and defensive minds in the NFL. And, you know, the big issue last year, I thought, for the interior of the offensive line wasn't necessarily uh, the physical part of blocking. It was really the mental part of it, like identifying stunts, twists, and blitzes. It just seemed like every time – Teams were throwing something at them up the middle that they were kind of looking around at each other and somebody was running free and then smacking the hell out of Kirk Cousins as everybody uh, rewatched on that Netflix documentary and and I, I think that you know Tampa Bay is going to know that Todd Bowles is going to know that he's a great defensive mind I don't know if he's a good head coach but I know he's a great defensive mind and he's very very aggressive so they're going to test them right away they know what the weakness is and the question is how much did this interior improve and uh, I would say that. As we've asked numerous times through the offseason, hey, how's the interior of that offensive line doing? Every time there's a little look of, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, we're going to have to find out. So, at some point, we will go back and wonder if they have improved that and so forth. But I also think that, you know, Kevin O'Connell's got to have answers for that. It's not like he doesn't know, right? It's not like he doesn't know that that's going to be a weakness. And there's no team in the league that has all 11 or 12 or 13 players that they play on offense that are just great. Everybody's going to have a weakness. So if they can't overcome that, then I don't know. Like with all the weapons they have, there's, there's got to be ways. But I think uh, as long as they have an interior offensive line like this with these guys, that there's going to be a, a, a pretty big concern. So if there's one way Tampa Bay can blow up their game plan, that's the way it's with that interior pressure
1: i know i'm a packers fan but can you put in a good word with, with whoever's in charge to make those yeah, uniforms are wearing sunday permanent i love them
2: oh uh for the vikings, the vikings yeah the
1: viking the the, the classic oh, purples yeah. those things are great they need to wear them all the time and get rid of the whatever they're wearing now i, I, I don't like those. yeah 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 <laughs>
2: it, it it has always felt like they could never quite get it right since like uh i don't know the the late '80s, the Anthony Carter's yep. with the long sleeves yep. and the the white on white. They've never quite got. For a while, the helmet was a different color, purple than the jersey, and then they tried to fix that. And it, uh, the Farve era was really, really Oof. gnarly with those jerseys. Yeah, I mean, so no, look, I mean, I think the NFL has done a great job with the throwback. We're getting the creamsicles back. Yes, I don't know if Tampa Bay is wearing them this Sunday, but they're, they're coming not back. Atlanta, Atlanta, going back to the uh, the red helmet. I mean. Uh, the, the Oilers jersey, even though it's an abomination that they're in Tennessee, uh, but the Oilers jersey coming back, thats I mean, that's great. So, yeah, a lo- lot of good stuff to see this year with the throwback jersey.
1: Yeah, the Texans should be wearing the Oilers jerseys. There's no doubt about that. The Falcons' reds are great. Uh, I need the Vikings to keep the, the classic look and not go back to whatever they've been wearing since they moved into U.S. Bank Stadium. And for crying out loud, the Packers need to have a white helmet. That's all. I don't ask much. That's all
2: I've asked for. A white helmet? Yes. for the Packers? Really? Yeah, because they they do the but... all
1: white. Like they'll have a home night game. That I'm guessing they'll do when they play the Lions at the end of the month on a Thursday night. They always seem to have a home night game where they wear all white, and they're, it's great. I love the look, but they need a white helmet to go with it. And the Vikings do too when they wear oh, all white. Okay.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> this a uh, packer Packers team not wearing a yellow helmet? Just seems like uh, sacrilegious to me.
1: Ah, it is what it is. I have, I have ideas. They're not all good, all right? <laughs> you got a book coming out later on this month. You and I will chat about that, and we'll get kind of a, a month-in look at the Vikings here towards the end of September. How's that sound?
2: Uh, that sounds great, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Talk it.
1: Soon. Yeah, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, purpleinsider.com. You can find their stuff with Bring Me the News as well. All right, we're running late. Mike Hefferton, football coach at St. Scholastica. They got a season they're kicking off tomorrow in Illinois. We'll get a full preview from him. Mike Grimm standing by for a Gopher update as well. Ten twenty nine, Bruce Siski show on KDAL.
3: This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The University of Minnesota football team hosts Eastern Michigan under the lights tomorrow night at Huntington Bank Stadium. We'll hear from Minnesota quarterback Ethan Kelly McManus when we come back. It's time for tailgating, and no one does it tastier than your neighborhood Cub. Get ready for the grill with burgers, brats, and chicken, plus all your favorite game day snacks. From chips and dips to drinks and desserts, Cub has everything you need for the big win. Fire up the grill for Smokehouse Brats. Now on sale, four for $5. And fresh raspberries or blackberries are two for $5. My Cub, my way. See store for details. Golden Gopher quarterback Ethan Kaliak-Manus engineered two late scoring drives last week to help Minnesota beat Nebraska 13-10. to And while he says that's great, he also says he had a bit of a bad taste in his mouth because he didn't feel he played as well as he should have.
2: I'm never satisfied, even with a win, because I know that there was mistakes that I made throughout the game. Um, I always look forward to making mistakes because I know that's opportunity for me to grow, and I know that I can play much better. No matter what the game is, no matter how I play, no matter how much we win by, I know that I have to get better in certain areas, and I look forward to that. I look forward to getting better. I'm happy with the mistakes I made against Nebraska, so now I know not to do those again. It helped me a lot this week. I think I'm working on things that – you know, I'm not really comfortable with, but I need to get better at those things. So I'm just very blessed and thankful to have such a good coaching staff to, you know, point those out, have players that surround me and are just willing to be there with me.
3: Callie Ekmanis threw for 196 yards and a touchdown in the win over the Huskers last week. There are tickets still available for tomorrow night's game against the Eagles. You can order tickets and get other info on the game by logging on to gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Graham.
0: The Bruce Siski Show. We've been through
3: this before. Weekdays at 10 on KDAL.
1: Plenty to come here on the radio show. St. Scholastica football coach Mike Heffernan, our guest, after CBS News 1034 on KDAL. 10.38 10.38 tomorrow, or tomorrow, how about Monday? Jeff we will talk Bulldog football off the top of the show, then UMVF Odek Director Forrest Carr back in the second Monday of every month, starting on Monday at 10.35. Also next week, Tim Hornbaker, author of the new Ric Flair doc, uh, uh, biography is the word I'm looking for. Uh, the last real-world champion. It is a great book. I'm so happy that Tim Hornbaker is joining us on Tuesday. UMV defensive coordinator Trey Dill also with us on the radio on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, I'll be down in St. Paul at NCHC Media Day. No show because of the early Twins game, but we'll have plenty of interviews. In fact, I'm taping 12 interviews in St. Paul on Wednesday. i will hear those over the course of the rest of September. St. Scholastica football team opens up. Tomorrow, 1 o'clock at Rockford University in Illinois. They're on their way there now. Had a chance this week to catch up with the head coach, Mike Heffernan. Let's reflect quickly on 2022. You guys made some history getting your first win as a member of the MIAC. It felt like you were getting better, more competitive as the season went on. How did you feel 2022 went for your group?
4: Uh, I felt like it went really good. The guys did everything that I asked them to do. Uh, We were a young group, continuing to try and mature and grow. Um, And you're absolutely correct. The guys got better week by week, and we just have to uh – put ourselves in that situation again where hopefully we can finish on some of those games. What
1: was what was the key for you? And it's one thing to say you know, into the outset, and you knew you had a really young team last year and you said all the right things about wanting to get better every week, but it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to do it, and you've got to have the buy-in from your players. Did you feel like you had that from the outset?
4: Uh, yes, and because of our leadership and our coaching staff, we were able to do that from day one. And, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, are you willing to do something or do you want to do something? Um, and there's a difference. And we continue to preach, you know, pay attention to detail. We continue to preach attention to all the little things. Um, and as long as we control what we can control and take care of those things, we believe... The big things will happen.
1: We're talking to St. Scholastica football coach Mike Heffern, and Certainly, COVID was a, a major setback for a lot of small college programs. You, you, you almost had to do a full reset. You've got some seniors now You know that have some real experience playing in this program. What's it mean to have that here? You, you haven't had a ton of senior leadership the last few years.
4: Yeah, it, it really helps. We have uh, Jake Akowski, Wyatt Lahr. Those guys are fifth-year seniors for us because of the COVID year. Um, they've been through all the ups and downs. They went through everything you possibly could go through as a student athlete um, during the COVID time, and it's been tremendous to have them around in the program. And again, for this uh, being their final year, to be able to reflect and help these younger leaders become the leaders that we need them to be. Um, So it's been extremely important to have them around. And then we have two more seniors um, that are uh, fourth year seniors that um, were part of the original COVID class. So we have four total seniors Two of them being fifth-year guys, and then two of them being four-year guys. And again, they've been through it all. So anything that our guys are going to go through as freshmen, sophomores, juniors, then seniors, these guys are are, are able to help those guys figure it out.
1: Your first Mayak win came last season at home on October first against Hamlin, and you, you, you know, I'm sure you want. I'm sure it was very stressful for the head coach because you trailed 42 to 27 going into the fourth quarter. But take me through just the the emotions of of getting Getting that, you know, getting over the hump, and the way you guys are able to do it with a couple of fourth-quarter touchdowns, and then the, the the big play to set up Kyle Oswald's winning field goal.
4: Yeah, it was. You know, the entire time, whether you're winning or you're losing, one of the hardest things to do as a head coach is, is to continue to stay in the moment because you're always trying to think of okay if this happens what are we going to do if this happens what are we going to do so for me I just try to stay in the moment and just really just stay one step ahead instead of multiple steps ahead Um, and our coaching staff did a great job and our guys just didn't quit it all comes down to our guys they didn't quit they believed in what we were doing and we continued to do what we needed to do and we finished the game Um, and again that was a culmination of those guys doing the, all the little things right and controlling what they can control staying true to the course and um, we were able to get over that hump uh,
1: Tell me about your quarterback last year Donald West who's back this year a, a guy that really took some major steps for you in, in his development as the season went on
4: Yeah, Donald's really, really focused at what he does, and um, every day that, that we sit down and meet and we talk about things, whether it's quarterback play, whether it's academics, whatever it is that we do, uh, Donald's extremely focused, and Donald uh, is now coming into his sophomore year. Um, he's going to be a sophomore. Obviously an entire season um, with the role of starting quarterback underneath his belt, um, he just continues to grow and he's finding himself as a leader. He's finding himself vocally as a leader, um, you know, and his expectations equal our expectations as coaches. He wants to be the best that he can be. And, um, He's doing a great job moving that forward.
1: Offensive coaches talk so much about the importance of the quarterback having command, not just of the offense, but of the huddle. How much has he improved in those facets? The the command of the offense and command of the huddle here in gaining this experience he got last year.
4: Yeah, he really really took that by the horns um, in the spring. So he worked extremely hard in the offseason, and one of the things that he wanted as a personal goal for him was to continue to try and find that role as a leader in the spring. Um, and I told him that the number one way he's going to do that is to make sure that he earns earns everybody's respect on and off the field, and that's only going to be by his own hard work. And he really bought into that, um, really did everything he could to make sure that he can continue to try and put himself on a pedestal of hey this is how things need to be done um, and because of that he's now set him set himself up to be somebody that that is going to lead in the huddle out of the huddle on the field I mean he's really the voice of the offensive coaches playing and play out
1: you mentioned Wyatt Lar, who's your your most experienced wide receiver returning in his last year in the program now what was the chemistry like as it grew with those two last year and how deep do you think your receiver group can be
4: yeah, you know, we're really excited about the group. We got some young guys um coming in that are going to have to step up and they've had a good camp. The we're still in, you know, a young face here. Like I said, we only have four seniors. We got 17 juniors, so this is our first, you know, upperclassmen group um, but Wyatt has been a great example for them and that group's only going to continue to grow and Wyatt himself um, has had a tremendous offseason you know, he had a great summer um, he's he's ready to go him and Donald are continue to grow and be on the same page and you know be able to have Wyatt in the program again and and having him help those younger guys Get a feel for what we're doing and kind of how our offense works and how that receiver play works has been has been really really good um, for everybody around him. So we're you, we're extremely excited to have Wyatt back.
1: We're talking to Saint Scholastica football coach Mike Hefford, and they open up in Rockford, Illinois, coming up here this weekend against Rockford University Saturday, a one o'clock kickoff. What do you think of your running back room?
4: Uh, I really like it. We we got Nick Schlender obviously coming back, Ashton Hain coming back. We got. Joey Famali coming back, got some younger guys adding in that group. We got a transfer um, coming in um, and uh, so we really like that group and obviously you know we do multiple things with those guys in terms of playing slot running back so we're going to see who rides to the top and who's ready to go on Saturday.
1: What, uh, you know, what about the offensive line? It, it feels like that that's an area it, it, it's, you know, when you're so young it's going to take some time and again now you're getting a little more experience up front.
4: Yeah, so we have... we're going to have four returning starters uh, from last year, uh, three returning starters from last year. Uh, some guys have moved different spots. Um, we've got some freshmen that came in. We really changed the makeup of our roster in terms of the coaches did a great job. Our guys did a great job in recruiting um, and balancing out that that roster in depth so we have more depth on the offensive line. we got three returning starters, two guys that are ready to step in and um, – fill those roles uh, that were a part of the program last year or, you know, freshmen that we had really high expectations for. So, again, we're excited about that group as well. For the first time... We have multiple returning offensive linemen.
1: Obviously, you, you give up a ton of points again last season, but you scored more points. How much is this offense continues to improve and evolve and these guys gain experience and gain some confidence playing against this tough competition that you face in the Mayak? How much can that take some pressure off your defense?
4: Yeah, we need to continue to do what we're doing offensively. We need to continue to build on that. Um, our defense is going to get better naturally with, with the returning starters we have, naturally with building up our defensive line, which we did a great job of this last offseason. Um, we got guys that are hungry, guys ready to play. We turn almost, we return almost every starter on defense. We're really excited about Anthony Vo returning um, all-conference uh, player for us and then our inside linebacker, uh, John Bonner as well. So there's guys that are stepping up ready to take the lead you know any any way we win it's a win now do we need to get better and and do different things 100 percent. but um anytime one side of the ball can help the other that's the way it needs to work
1: tell me what anthony vole a little bit he mentioned it was all conference last year
4: yeah anthony vole is a tremendous player for us um one of our leaders going to be a captain here uh for us and uh he, he does a tremendous job his motor is Non stop and he gives everything he has, and he 's an incredible person, so Anthony Bo is the kind of guy that we need to continue to uh um, put our faith in and continue to build around defensively
1: you've got a grind of a Mayak schedule that starts with Concordia Moorhead at uh, Walt Hunting Stadium Murph Hiking and Field on September 23rd you got a couple of non-conference games yeah it's obvious that you still got some young players that need to get some experience what do you hope to learn about your team with Rockford this week and crowned at home next week
4: yeah, just just how we deal with adversity and how quickly we can get over that adversity. You know, for me, game one, game two, whoever you're playing, regardless, it's, it's, it's really about you. And, um, again, focusing on what you can control, how quick can we get over something that doesn't go our way because that's going to happen no matter what something's going to happen that's not going to be in our favor and how do we get over that how do we handle that so that's what I'm really excited to see and 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 uh interested to see how we handle those moments
1: you play Rockford Saturday in Illinois it's a team that you've never faced before in the program's history so when you go into this it's completely unfamiliar it's game one how much of this is about you know kind of in-house and how much do you look at this adversary and try to game plan a little bit
4: Yeah, the most important thing is it is certainly all about us. Um, We wanna we wanna take care of our business, um, but at the same time, you know, there's an opponent that we have to prepare for that we don't have anything on. All we have is statistics, uh, just like they have on us. Um, All we have is who their leading tacklers are, passers are, et cetera. So we know the players that we have to defend. Um, We know that they um, um, compete at a high level just like we do, and that's what they strive for every day. So with the limited information, we are going to do what we can do with that, but we're looking inside mostly.
1: 1 o'clock kickoff tomorrow in Rockford, Illinois. Saints and Rockford University. You can get info, live stats, stream that whole bit, by going to csssaints.com. 1050, ushering the weekend of the moment on KDAL. KDAL at your fingertips. I'll
4: tell you, these guys have a wonderful stream. Download the
1: free KDAL mobile app. 1058 on this Friday morning. Great to have you with us. Uh, Up north preseason volleyball tournament at UMD this weekend. The Bulldogs won last night in straight sets over Michigan Tech and move the 5-0 and zero on the season. They'll play Central Washington in the last of five matches taking place there today. 7.30 is the start time for that at Romano Gym on the UMD campus. Already this morning, St. Cloud State, which beat Northern Michigan in straight sets yesterday, has defeated Southern New Hampshire in straight sets, a match that took barely an hour at Romano Gym here this morning. And they are awaiting the second match of their day at 2.30 against Michigan Tech. Full info, the schedule, ticketing, all that can be found by going to umvbulldogs.com. We are back on Monday. We'll recap the weekend, including all the football. We'll also talk to UMV Athletic Director Forrest Carr, one of the brainchilds of this and a up north preseason volleyball tournament. We'll talk about how that event came together, how things went over the weekend at Romano Gym. He'll be joining us the second Monday of every month starting next week. Jeff Papis also every Monday during the Bulldog football season. We'll recap tomorrow's game against Northern State. Six o'clock kick here on KDAL. Join us then. Have yourselves a great weekend. Brad Bennett up next with Sound Off along with Kenny. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: the weekend. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well.